I'm going to tell you I'm a mess. I hope I get straightened out here in a minute so that I can give a little lesson. Because when you start talking about kids like that, I couldn't help but tear up. I thought I had it down until you showed that last part about the Christmas cake and the dresses. That just got me started again. Before we get ready for our lesson, John and Money, I want to say that you are doing what the gospel tells us to do. God bless your work. Let's take a moment of silent prayer to clear our thoughts and our minds, and then I'll close us out in a prayer, and we'll do a short little lesson. Fathers, we have been very humbled and moved by John's testimony and his video. We thank you, Father, that there are those who take seriously your gospel call and do go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Father, continue to be with them as they do this. Be with each one of those works. Be with us here at New Life in Perrigan as well as we support them and as we also try to do that mission as well in our community. Father, may you continue to richly bless that. And this word that we're about to take is your holy and divine word which lives and abides forever. We pray that you will open our eyes and our ears and our minds so that we might be able to see and to hear what you have placed there for us and that our minds might be able to capture it and to take hold of it and seize it father so that it can be used in our times of trials and we ask this in jesus name amen you ever heard of shafat and yigal and what happened what about joshua and caleb that's a little more familiar isn't it you see, Shaphat and Yigel was part of the ten who had uh, the bad report. But Joshua and Caleb was the two that had the minority report. And what that tells me is, is that those who are faithful and those who trust in the promises of God are remembered. And God honors those people. But those who are fearful and those who will not trust and believe and obey, sometimes they fall by the wayside as they all did in the wilderness for the next 39 years. As I was meditating this week and studying about John and money in the Southwest India mission, I wanted something because you teach so much that would encourage you that you could get food here from the word of God yourself to sustain you as you go back but would also apply to us as well. And I thought about the, the spies, and I thought about going into the land. And if you would, turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. We will be there for a few minutes. The title of this is A Man Named Dog. Now, isn't that a funny name to name a child? You think, well, it is man's best friend. Dog the bounty hunter decided to 
take that as his moniker. But in the Hebrew times, dogs weren't, they weren't man's best friend. They were scavengers. They would come in and they would go through houses and try to eat the little bit of food you had left and they would tear up the animals and they'd go off. So it wasn't really man's best friend. They was kind of really despised. So I do not know why Jephuna decided to name his child Dog, but we translated out as Caleb. So Caleb is a man named Dog. The only thing I can think of is Johnny Cash wrote a song about a boy named Sue. And maybe Jephuna wanted his boy to be tough. Maybe he wanted him to grow up to be able to face adversity, to follow God no matter what the cost was. I'd have to think that that would be the case. But if you look in Numbers 13, in the first two verses now, they've been wandering for close to a year. God's been trying to prepare them to trust in him, to believe in his promises. And now he's going to test them again. And he tells Moses, he says, pick you out from among the children of Israel, one from each tribe. And I don't want just anybody. I want the leaders. I want the generals. I want the top notch because they're going to go on a recon mission. You know, they're going to go in and provide some intelligence for us before we go in, and I got to have the best. And so they selected these. Now, I want you to notice in verse 2 that there's a promise of God. And almost every week, I'm going to talk about promises of God because that's what you have to trust in in your life. It's not a story that I might tell you or different things. Those will amuse us. But it's the word of God and his promises that sustain us when things happen. And his promise there says that I want you to go and take a look at the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. It's a done deal. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's yours. And he tells them to go in and take the land. And so they pick out the 12, and the 12 go in. And Moses, as the general of the army, gives them some very practical advice. He tells them to start down towards the south. And as you go down to the south, you're going to see some mountains. And then I want you to go up in those mountains, and I want you to survey the land, and then I want you to go in. And the reason that's a good general way to go it's a tactical move because if you start in the valley you can't see very much all you can see is right in front of you but if you get up on the mountain you can survey the whole land and you can get a good bead on which way you want to go from there so he gave him very good tactical advice he says you go up there first and then go out through the land and they did kind of funny the first thing that they run into is the Anakim the sons of Anak those guys were giants it's down around verse 22 23 as you're looking I believe Uh, verse 21 and 2 so I think God put the giants there in front of them first so that they would get that out of the way and just to test them and see if they were really going to trust in him or not so they start taking off and and Moses also told him, as you spy out the land, here's what I want you to bring back in this intelligence report. He said, I want to know about the land. Is it a good land, as God has promised? Is there forests there? That's fuel. Wood is fuel and for building things. 
tell me about the people. How are the people? Is there many? Is there few? Are they strong? Are they weak? Are they nomadic types and pinched tents and wanders? Or do they have strong cities? Do they have fortified places? What is it that we are going to be facing when we cross over? And I want to report back and bring some of the fruit of the land back with you. So then we find out that on D40, the 40th day, they come back. 40, for all of you people who like numbers, is a number of testing. Whenever you find the number 40 in the scriptures, it usually is a period of testing. Jesus was tested for 40 days. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So periods of testing to see if you're faithful, see if you can take the test. And they come back after D40, and they bring back some fruits of the land, and Moses and Aaron gather together, and so does all of the people Close to 2 million Israelites, they come to see what these 12 have brought forward. And when they come forward, they hold up a cluster of grapes that had to be tied to a stick, one cluster to a limb, and carried by two men. And the people start celebrating, and they say, It is a land of milk and honey. It is as the Lord has told us. It is there to provide for us. And they were all excited, and I just imagined that the children were jumping up and singing like we saw in the VBS there, and everybody was excited. And when you say a land of milk and honey, that's another promise of God. Because many times in Exodus, as God was preparing them to come in and take the land, that was the term that he used. He said in Exodus 3, in Exodus 13, in Exodus 33, he said, the land I have prepared for you is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And it's a Hebrew idiom saying, it's perfect. I've designed it for you. It's ready for you. And you're going to go in and see that that's the truth. And so when they came and they brought that cluster of grapes and the figs and the pomegranates and held it up, that's the same thing as David that we had a few weeks ago when he held Goliath's sword in his hand. And he wanted to run, and he was afraid. But that sword represented the promises of God. That sword represented that I was with you with the bear, I was with you with the lion, and I was with you with Goliath, and I will be with you now. Why are you afraid? This was the trophy from the land. God has prepared it as he said, let's go take it. But if you look... There in your Bible, you get the word that you fear so much. I think it's in verse 28. It says, nevertheless, in the King James, we might say, but today. You know, I heard a man one time who was a teacher of the Bible that said, I'm going to prepare a lesson that says, keep your butts out of God's business. <laughs> oh, that's a good work, but. Oh, I would like to help. But, so as they presented this trophy of grapes, and they paraded it around and people got excited, the ten men stood up and said, But, hold on a minute, nevertheless, that is true, but there's a lot of stuff in that land. The cities are great. They are walled. They're fortified. Why? Why? 
their men are soldiers and they're trained and they have weapons. And not only that, we saw the children of Anak. You know, the giants, we saw them. And it lists their three names there. It's like Seshai and uh, Himelech and um, Talmai, I think, if I remember correctly. So he says, yeah, we've got the giants there. And a hush fell across two million people. No more celebrating, no more trusting in the promises of God and he's delivered because now they're walking by sight and not walking by faith. But a man named Dog, Caleb, stands up and he said, I don't care about the giants. The Lord promised that this was a land flowing with milk and honey. He has delivered on that promise and I believe in him. And I believe that we need to go at once and take this land because he has already delivered it into our hands. And as he said that, the other ten, though, began to go ahead and pitch their spiel as well. So what you have is a battle of two mindsets. The fearful versus the faithful. The ones who trust and the ones who lack trust. In the promises of God. Which one do you think won out? Well if you look at Numbers chapter 14 verse 1. It says that the children of Israel went to their tents that night. And they cried all night. They wept all night. Why? Because they were afraid. All it took was to say that there are giants in the land and there's fortified cities and they fell apart. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the things that happen in your mind. That you're, who, who you are is what you think. And we talked about David and Saul and how that because they would not trust and they would not change the way they have always been programmed to think that they can fall apart. Did the folks really have anything to fear and cry about? No, God has promised them. Same promises, though, that we have in the Bible. We have thousands of promises in the Word of God that is there for us to rely upon, but most of the time we fall apart as well whenever we're faced with the giants in our life. And folks, there's going to be giants all the time. Your giant may be different than mine, but we've all got tons of giants that we face. What you got to do is trust in God and turn those over to him and rely upon the promises that we have here. But Caleb was prepared. He stood up before them, and again, the people did not want to believe the next day after they've cried all night, they have this mental attitude going, and I told you that when mental attitude things start happening in your mind that they throw a party and they like to invite all of their friends and those friends here went from being fearful from crying to now they're murmuring they start murmuring about Moses and Aaron and about God they say a few idle words remember David uttered an idle word and the entire city was destroyed 
they start doing some idle words and they say, would to God we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness rather than face the sword of these giants. Idle words. Lack of faith. Somebody told me one time, careful what you wish for because you just might get it. We're going to see that this irritated God. It rubbed him the wrong way. He's going to tell him later on in chapter 14, as he's telling Moses, they have tested me ten times. In this year of wandering and bringing you to this point, you've had ten times that I have took care of you, and I have proved who I am, and these people still will not trust me. And I'm done with them. He wanted to just toss them out. Moses provided intercessory prayer, the thing that we need to do to help John and Money and their Southwest India Foundation. Intercessory prayer works. He went and stood before God and said, don't do that because if you do, all of the people know that you lead us as a cloud by day and fire by night. And if you destroy them all as one, they will say you were not a big enough God to deliver them over to the other side. And with that, God said, that's okay. But they will still not see the land. Those who are 20 and older are not going to see the land because they have denied who I am. Think about that for a minute. You have the promises of God. He's helped you over and over and you still fall apart. You still won't believe. And he says, not a one of you is going to cross over except for Joshua and Caleb. Because Caleb had a different spirit within him. He had a spirit, it says, that he fully trusted in me. That means he relied on those promises of God. He knew that if God said, today I have delivered this land into your hand, go see. He believed that. But God said, the rest of them... I heard their idle words. I heard your murmuring. And their carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness over the next 39 years. And not a one of them that's 20 and older that was numbered in the numbering is going to make it. Wow. That's pretty tight. So then, how do we finish this out? How do we land this plane that we started? All of, all of this happening. If you would, turn over to Joshua 14. In Joshua chapter 14. I want you to really see the man named Dog. I want you to see Caleb. Because he reminded me so much of the strength and the courage that men and women over there with with John and Money are doing. If you take chapter 14 of Joshua and you start in verse 6, you will see that they've already handed out some of the inheritance to some of the folks and now they come to Judah for Caleb was of the tribe of Judah. As you go down through there, he stands before Joshua now and think about this. Caleb was faithful But because of everyone else, he spent 39 years having to wander the wilderness. Then when they crossed over, he spent five to six years fighting in battle so that they could gain the inheritance and come to this point. 
And he says to Joshua, Moses, starting in verse 9, swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you, Caleb, a man named Dog, have wholly followed the Lord my God. And then he says this, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, for these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, and Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, here, I am this day. I am 85 years old, and yet, I am as strong today as I was 45 years ago when I was 40 years old and I went to spy out that land. I am as strong, I am as tough, and I am as ready. And then he goes on to say, for battle, I'm ready to go up. Verse 12, now therefore, give me this mountain. I want this mountain which the Lord spoke in that day, and you heard him, Joshua, how that the Anakim were there, and that the city was great and fortified, and it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out of the land as the Lord has said, as he promised. He's still relying on those promises of God at 85 years old. And it says, Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron was the mountain that they went to first, and the giants were there. Everybody else is getting their inheritance. They want the easy stuff. I want the valley. I want where these people, I want this. It gets down. Caleb is 85 years old, and he says, I want this mountain. I don't want the low-hanging fruit. I don't want to go through the promises of God taking it easy. I want this mountain. He said, the Lord will be with me, and we will drive them out. Turn the page as we get ready to close, Rick. Chapter 15, verse 13, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He was given a share among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, which is Kirjath Arba, or Hebron. Verse 14 says that Caleb, whew, whew, he drove out the three sons of Anak from there, which are Seshai, Achimon, and Talmai. He wanted that mountain. That represented the promises of God to him. God promised it and delivered it to him, and he will do the same for us here in Perrigan, and he will do the same for John and money over in India. And what I want to do is I want to say a quick prayer as we get ready to close and then have, have the music Father, we pray that your word and the courage of a man named Dog can inspire 
southwest India and Perrigan, Indiana, to be courageous, to face our giants every day, whether it be the government, whether it be the Hindus, whether it be the other oppositions, whether it be our government, whether it be monsoons, and whether it be heat or dry spell, give us the different spirit that Caleb had. Give us a spirit that says that I can conquer these, the Lord is with me, and let's go up and take this mountain now. I find it odd that John and Money's been over at India for 39, going on to the 40th year. And that's how long it was that Caleb wandered as you prepared that land for him. And he was doing your work and being faithful during that time. And then the next five to six years, you delivered that entire land to your children. I pray that you've prepared Southwest India right now for blessings like they have never seen. That all of the giants will fall and that you will drive them out of the land and that all of those young ladies that we saw, all of those families, all of those men who are training to be teachers and preachers of your word, that you will drive the giants out in front of them and in the next few years you will see a revival like you've never seen. And I pray the giants are removed here in Perrigan as well. That we don't put our eyes on the children of Anak, but we put our eyes on you. We see the promises that are in your word, and we will rely upon them, and we will trust in you, and you will give us this mountain in Jesus' name. And Father, there are those who have as their mountain trusting you and becoming a Christian. John spoke it so well that our commission is to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And then you told us to continue teaching them all things whatsoever you and to obey what you have taught and that you will be with us forever. Father, if there are those who are here or listening later that that's your giant that there's something that's keeping you for, from obeying that gospel we pray that that giant is taken away today we pray that they will accept you and to become a child of yours if there are those here who are your children but giants has gotten away of their life got them off track, got them feeling like they're wandering in the wilderness for nothing. We pray, Father, that today's the day that they will change their thinking, that they will go to you and, and ask for forgiveness and ask for direction and guidance, and you will guide their life and give them a different spirit like Caleb had. And if they need prayers today, they can come up and receive those prayers of encouragement as well. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.